Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Proverbs, chapter 9, verses 1 to 18. That's the book of Proverbs, chapter 9, verses 1 to 18. Wisdom hath built her house, she hath hewn out her seven pillars. She hath killed her beasts, she hath mingled her wine, she hath also furnished her table. She hath sent forth her maidens, she crieth upon the highest places of the city. Whoso is simple, let him turn in hither. As for him that wanteth understanding, she saith to him, Come, eat of my bread, drink of the wine which I have mingled. Forsake the foolish and live, and go in the way of understanding. He that reproveth a scorner getteth to himself shame, and he that rebuketh a wicked man getteth himself a blot. Reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love thee. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will yet be what he will be yet wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. For by me thy days shall be multiplied, and the years of thy life shall be increased. If thou be wise, thou shalt be wise for thyself, but if thou scornest, thou alone shalt bear it. A foolish woman is clamorous, she is simple, and knoweth nothing, for she sitteth at the floor of her house, on a seat in the high places of the city, to call passengers who go right on their ways. Whoso is simple, let him turn in hither, and as for him that wanteth understanding, she saith to him, Stolen waters are sweet, and bread is eaten in secret, and is pleasant. But he knoweth not the dead are there, and that her, her guests are in the depths of hell. Proverbs chapter 9. So yesterday I was invited to two great events, but I could only go to one. So I had to decide, should I go to Ian and Claire's wedding, or should I go to Jeff and Joy Prophet's house? I always like the fellowship at your home. It's a beautiful home. The food is great. But Ian and Claire, you were having a once-in-a-lifetime day there, so... I chose to go to Ian and Claire's wedding yesterday. And sometimes we're conflicted when we get invited to two places at once. And we have to figure out which way to, which way to go, which place to go to. And that's chapter 9 of Proverbs. There are two identical invitations. And as we look at these invitations, there's really only one way to go. And that's to the house of seven pillars. Going to God's house of wisdom. The house of seven pillars. And so what we need to see in this passage of Scripture is that there are two identical invitations. I don't know if you've ever noticed that, but frankly, I never did. Until I looked carefully. But it's exactly the same invitation. To two different houses. But it isn't two good choices, like I had yesterday. It's one choice that's out of this world, and one choice that is on your way to hell. Which way are you going? To the house of seven pillars, or to the death trap house, we call it. The death trap house of foolishness. So look at what I'm talking about. Look at verse 4. Because wisdom is calling... She sends forth her maidens. Verse 3, actually, she cries. She's saying, come. Verse 4, read it with me. It says, whoso is simple, let him come in hither. As for him that wanteth understanding, she saith to him, come. And there she has a delicious banquet of amazing food all set up. So there's the invitation to what we call the house of seven pillars. And we see that in verse 1. Now go down to verse number 16. This is the second invitation. This invitation, though, is given by the foolish woman. Lady foolishness. And it says, what does she know in verse 13? What? Nothing. <laughs> she has no wisdom. She's foolish. But you know where she is? She's seated, verse 14, it says, on a seat 
on the high places. That word is translated every other time, a throne. She's full of pride and she thinks she's sitting on a throne. And she says in verse number 16, the exact same words as verse number 4. Did this thing fall? What happened? What's happened? my shirt. I'll just I'll do it this way. So look at verse 16. Whoso is simple, let him turn in hither. It's the same words as verse 4. And as for him that wanteth understanding, she saith to him, what does she have to offer? Stolen water. And bread eaten in secret. That's the foolish life. Stolen food. So, both invitations are given to what kind of person? Who is invited to both invitations? It says the simple. Who is the simple? You know who the simple is? The youth. The young man. The young woman. The one who's not decided. Are you decided for Jesus? The simple. If you haven't made up your mind, today's the day. Whoso is simple? Because, you know what? Ultimately, you will choose. You will choose. You cannot live life without choosing which house you're going to go to. God's house of wisdom that leads you to heaven or the devil's house that leads you down to hell. You're going to ultimately make that choice. To the simple. This is addressed. And now watch how, what happens. When the simple starts moving toward the house of seven pillars, the house of wisdom, what do they become? The simple becomes what? Wise. And if the simple though, once he starts, if he, if he listens to the foolish woman and goes to her death trap house on the way to hell, it's like on the brink of hell, what does he become? A fool. So the simple person, here's the point about the book of Proverbs. The simple person is undecided and unformed and youthful, but you'll never stay that way. You won't stay that way. Are you hearing me today? You must decide which way you want to go. Because there's no third way. There's no third way. There's, those are the two ways. Two invitations. Another thing that's interesting, if you will look with me at the Scripture a little bit on this, this is actually the third call of wisdom in these first nine chapters. Remember we've been talking about the first nine chapters of Proverbs? These first nine chapters are the gateway chapters to the rest of the book of Proverbs. When I say the rest of the book of Proverbs, I mean the sentence, pro the sentence Proverbs. They begin right in chapter 10. So we're in the last chapter of these gateway chapters. Now these gateway chapters are not sentence Proverbs. They're long units of thought. And basically it's the father teaching his son, but you could take this teaching as a daughter, or it's wisdom crying out and to, to follow wisdom. And if you're going to understand the, the sentence Proverbs beginning in chapter 10, you have to make your choice for wisdom in chapters 1 through 9, these gateway chapters. Now, let's look at the first two calls very quickly. Go back to the first two calls. I want you to see the difference of them. Go back to chapter 1, please. So this is the third call of wisdom in these opening nine chapters. The first call was in chapter 1. Look please at verse 20 where it says, Wisdom cries without. She utters her voice in the street. Are you with me? You're, you're with me, right? Now who does, she, who does wisdom call in verse 22? How long ye who? Simple ones. Will you love simplicity? In other words, you might be simple. Okay, you're undecided. But how long are you going to love your undecided state? You've got to decide eventually. So then he says, And scorners, how long will you delight in your scorning? And what's the third kind of person does he call? Wisdom call? She call? Fools. So what I'm saying is, in this first call, wisdom cries out to the simple to the who? The scorner. And to who? The fool. Those three groups. They have an opportunity to come. Now, you know who the scorner is? 
a ruthless person that is actually trying to get people to, to go in the way of foolishness. That's who a scorner is, who mocks wisdom. But God in mercy is crying out to the scorner. And He even says in verse 23, read verse 23 with me, Turn you at my reproof. God is reproving them, correcting them, chastening them, begging them. Turn at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my Spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. What a blessing. When we hear God's call, what do we have? What will we receive? Two things. What what does it say? Two things. What, What were they? His Spirit and His Word. People say, I don't understand the Bible. Of course you don't understand the Bible. You need to have who? The Holy Spirit. (laughs) You've got to turn and move toward wisdom. Receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. Be born again. Have the Holy Spirit come into you. So that was the first call. The second call, go to chapter 8, is the second call of wisdom in this book. is in chapter 8. And again, wisdom is crying. It says in verse 1, she stands in, this, in the places of the paths. She's standing in the place where everybody's transacting business. And in verse 5, notice who wisdom calls. Who does wisdom call? Oh, ye simple, understand wisdom. And then he says, and ye fools, be of an understanding heart. Does he call the scorners? Does she call the scorners? No. So now she called them... The three at the first, the scorner, the simple, the fool. The second call, she only calls the simple and the fool. You know who the fool is, by the way? The fool is somebody who's proud and fixed. I know better than you. I'm not listening to you. Because I know I know better than you already. I already know this. I don't have to listen to what you're saying. That's a fool. Somebody who doesn't want to learn or be instructed. But God is still in mercy calling the fool. Oh, you simple, understand. Ye fools, have an understanding heart. Hear, and I will speak to you of excellent things. But now in chapter 9, who does wisdom call? Not the scorner. Not the fool. But only who? The simple. And and wisdom's counsel in chapter 9, in verse 6, is to do what? To the, toward the foolish person. To do what? What is the simple going to have to do? If, she, if the simple, undecided person says, like, I'm not sure if I should be saved. I'm not sure if Jesus is the Savior. I don't know, man. My friends are telling me to go this way. and My parents are telling me to go. I, I just don't know. You know, you're undecided. What does wisdom tell the simple to do in verse 6? To do what? Forsake who? The fool. Forsake the foolish way. You're going to have to leave some things behind. In other words, if you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to have to leave some things behind. Amen? So, I thought that was interesting. Because God gives the scorner an opportunity, but ultimately, the scorner doesn't follow wisdom. God says, okay, you can go your own way. And then God gave the fool two opportunities, but the fool didn't want to go. Okay, you go your way. You want to have your way? Have your way. And you'll you'll end up separated from God for all eternity. What a terrible thing. But He's still crying out. Wisdom is still crying out. So the message today is we must say yes to wisdom's invitation to the house of seven pillars in order to grow wiser throughout life. Look at verse 1. Wisdom hath builded her house. She hath hewn out her seven pillars. Now, I'm only going to preach two of the points today. Two of the points. So I'm not going to finish this sermon. That's not that unusual, is it? Let's pray. Father God, take this moment of time, this brief moment in our lives, and somehow speak to the hearts so that what is said here today would have eternal impact through Your Word, Lord. Not because of my eloquence or my or anything about me, but because of Your glory, because of Your Word, because of Your truth, because of the importance of following Your wisdom, Lord. In Jesus' name, Amen.
So let's say yes to wisdom's invitation. Praise God. Let's say yes. We must say yes to wisdom's invitation to her house, to these seven pillars. In order to grow wiser throughout our lives, we say yes to go to wisdom's house of seven pillars. And there's two reasons I want to give you this morning. The first reason is because wisdom's house is perfectly structured. Wisdom hath builded her house. She hath hewn out her seven pillars. And notice, everything is in order in wisdom's house. She killed her beast. That's the first thing. She prepared the drink. I'm not going to talk about drinking wine. Later on in Proverbs it says, wine is a mocker, strong drink is rage. And so I'm not going to get into that argument today just to say I practice abstinence. I believe that's the safest position. But we'll, we'll leave it there. I don't think this is given a license definitely for anyone to get drunk ever. We have to be careful with the use of alcoholic beverage in our society. Anyway, it does say wine here. But she's furnished her table. She brought forth her maidens. They cried. Everything is in order. Everything was done. The simple were called. And he says, and wisdom says, come, eat of my bread and drink of this delicious drink, this sweet wine that I have mingled and, and so forth. So everything is perfectly structured in the house of wisdom. What are these seven pillars of wisdom? I believe that the seven pillars best speak of the beauty and the perfection, the safety and orderliness of God's pathway. God's path is a beautiful path. It's, it's ordered. It's God's path is structured in a way that is consistent with God's nature, God's character, and God's creation. God's way is ordered and structured perfectly. That's His wisdom. It says in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 33, Whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from fear of evil. So seven pillars. Of course, seven is that number of perfection. And so seven pillars speak of the perfection of God's wisdom. And pillars speak of beauty and strength that are hold the house up. This house will not crash in on top of your head. It's, it's a safe place. Whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from fear of evil. There's a lot of evil in our world today. People are afraid to get on the subways and even to walk the streets at night. But the Lord is our wisdom. Seven pillars. Now, there's a lot of different ideas of these seven pillars, just to let you know as well. I'm going to throw out a few other ideas for you of these seven pillars. James 3.17, and we read that Scripture last week. It's the New Testament definition of wisdom. The wisdom that is from above is first... Remember the first thing? Pure, peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy, good fruits. There's seven things. So, James could be giving the seven pillars of, of, of wisdom by divine inspiration in the New Testament. That's not... That, that would, couldn't be wrong either. So maybe those are the seven pillars of wisdom in James 3.17. Others have looked at the book of Proverbs, and I have looked at the book of Proverbs and divided it. And we won't, I won't give you an outline of it now, maybe at another time. But if you look at an outline of the entire book of Proverbs, you know how many sections it's divided into? Seven. So some have said that the seven pillars of wisdom refer to the seven divinely inspired units of the book of Proverbs itself. Could be. It's a possibility. And the third possibility I'll share with you is you could find seven wisdom words like I have basically on your outline. I just got that online and I'm not saying that that's exactly what I believe, but I saw that. And this is an example of that. In other words, find seven wisdom words. And I, I picked the words, the fear of the Lord, understanding, instruction, knowledge, justice, judgment, equity. Those are some of the words in the book of Proverbs, the wisdom words. And when you go to the house of wisdom, you will, you will infuse and put these traits and characteristics into your life. Could be. But still, I've, I go back to this, that the seven pillars just speak of the beauty and the perfection and the safety and the orderliness of God's pathway. It's perfectly structured. You know, you think of the order of things. Just think, look, go back to the beginning of the Bible. What's the order? What did God do? 
He created the heaven and the earth. At the end of His creation, what's the last thing God created? He created a man and a woman. Male and female. God did things in order throughout creation. And He put man on the earth after He had created a beautiful world. So that's the order. He created. He made male and female. And then He brought male and female together in the marriage bond which is the foundation of all societal structure, the family, the coming together of a husband and a wife. And then out of that marriage bond, children result. That's the order, right? God meant for children to come into this world with a, a mother and a father. Now that doesn't always happen, but that's, still, that's God's order. And there's wisdom in doing things in order. Here's a good verse about order. In Proverbs, read it with me. It says, prepare thy work without. Make it fit for thyself in the field. And afterwards, build thine house. Well, what's the order there? First, do what? Prepare, your, prepare the field so that you know the field can do what? Provide you resources to live. And after you know that that field, you could actually live and, 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 and eat the, the, the fruit of that field, then do what? Build your house. In other words, don't get things out of order. Don't go out and get into all this kind of debt and buy a house and get into $300,000 worth of debt. And, and somebody says, well, how are you going to pay for that? Well, now I'm going to go get a job. <laughs> no, you've got to put things in the right order, right? That's wisdom. Wisdom has order and structure. Come to the house of seven pillars of order, of beauty, of perfection, of safety, of structure. There's wisdom in that. Now, you know what this is. What is that? That's a Lego. How many of you ever bought a Lego set? How many of you ever bought one of those big sets? You never bought Legos? Oh, man. My kids love Legos. I'll buy them these big sets and all kinds of Star Wars contraptions and, and Western sets. And, and some of these things had like 500 pieces, 1,000 pieces. And you open up that Lego set and all those 1,000 pieces are... This is a small set here. But guess what every Lego set has? Instructions. And you would be a fool to put together any... Even when I go to McDonald's, and get the, you know, the, the free toy, the Lego toy with eight pieces in it. I was aware of the instructions, you know. <laughs> i gotta go the, I got to use the manual, man. i got to use the instructions. So, you'd have to be a fool to try to put together these big sets without following the order of the instructions. But if I give Lego, a Lego set that respect, shouldn't I give my life that respect? And follow the order that God has put down in His manual of wisdom for life. So that's all I'm saying. Go to the Word of God. Come to the Lord Jesus Christ. He loves you. And He will give order and st stability. Stability to your life. Because we're living in a very unstable culture. Unstable times. Now there's a lot of ways to apply this. I'm going to just make this application. What's a major cause of poverty? People do things out of order. Now, I'm not going to reduce poverty to one thing. Poverty is a complicated subject. But there are reasons for it. And one of the reasons, and I'm not saying the only reason, I am not saying that, but a reason for poverty is people having children out of order. Without a doubt, studies have been done on this. Statistics bear it out. Children living in single-parent homes have far greater odds of living in poverty than children in a nuclear family with a mother and father. Now, when I was a kid, we sang that little rhyme. You know it. First comes love, then comes Marriage, then comes the baby in a baby. That's the order. 
That's the order God ordained. Now, some, we're sinners. And I'm not saying if you got out of that order, there's no hope for you or your children. I'm not saying that there's always hope in Jesus Christ. And He can put things back. He can give divine reversals in our life. Right, brother? As we shared yesterday at your wedding. And, and He can turn things around for us. But without question, a major cause of poverty is children living in single parent homes. Now, just check this out. Simple statistics. Going back to 1965, 24% of black infants and 3.1% of white infants were born to single parents. 1965, fast forward up to 1990, and that rate went from 24% of black infants and 3.1% of white infants to 64% of black infants and 18% of white infants. What do you think increased amongst the black community during that time? As well as some during the white community. Poverty and crime. But in recent years, those numbers have even gone higher. To 72% of non-Hispanic blacks, is is how I I saw it written, now born out of wedlock. 53% of Hispanics. 29% of whites. And 17% of Asians and Pacific Islanders. Now let me ask you a question. Which culture has less poverty in it? Asian. Why? Stable family. That's God's way. You can fight it if you want. But you men, you don't get a woman pregnant unless you get married to her. I'm telling you. I'm begging you. You ladies, don't let a man touch you until you get married to him. Because he'd get you pregnant and then he'll say, oh, just have an abortion. And if you decide to have that child, you'll probably be raising it up on your own. And the chances are you're going to live in poverty. I'm just begging you. That's the reality. I didn't... Just telling you straight up. We need wisdom. Amen? Amen? So forsake the foolish. Don't go to that foolish house. Stolen waters are sweet. That's immorality. That's idolatry. That's not God's way. Stolen waters are not sweet. That's a lie. That's a lie from that foolish woman. And we'll talk more about that uh, next week. But do not accept the invitations to those houses that lead to confusion and chaos. Don't go to your friend's house if there's drugs there and alcohol there and immorality there. Some kind of wicked orgy going on. Stay out of that house. Don't go into it. You don't belong in the houses of chaos and sinful practices. Stay out of those house parties. Stay out of the clubs at night where people are going into the bathrooms and snorting cocaine and where they're carrying weapons around. You might end up dead like a lot of young people and people are going out to these clubs today. The Bible says evil communications corrupt good morals. The Bible says blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly or standeth in the way of sinners or sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Go please to Second. Corinthians chapter 7. I'd just like to read this passage with you. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Very important passage. If you could please turn there. If you have a Bible, if it's on your phone, please go to 2 Corinthians, I'm sorry, chapter number 6, verse 14. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. And it says, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion hath light with darkness? See, you can't walk a wise life and go to that way in the way of foolishness. You can't do both at the same time. I'm going to keep reading to the end of the chapter. What concord or what unity has Christ with Belial? That's a demon God. What part hath he that believeth with an infidel? That's somebody who doesn't believe. What agreement has the temple of God with idols? You are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them and I will be their God. And they shall be my people. This is what God's cry to our heart is. I want to live with you. I want to dwell in you. I want to walk with you. I want to protect you. I want to provide for you. I sent my son to die for you. So he says, wherefore, verse 17, a similar call to the chapter we're looking at where he says, forsake the foolish and live. Here he says, wherefore, come out from among them and be separate. Separate yourself from the foolishness of this world. That's what we have to... We're going to live for Jesus. 
We have to realize we're not going the way of the foolishness of this world. Come out from among them. Be separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. I will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Powerful Scripture. The second thing, oh, and just to conclude this, today 40% of all children are born out of wedlock. Think of that. 40% of all children, all ethnicities. That's tragic. And many times it happens in Christian Christians. There's a spiritual problem. It's a moral problem. People are choosing foolishness and not wisdom. So I say, let's go to the house of wisdom. Now, the second thing is this. Not only is wisdom's house perfectly structured, but wisdom's house has reproofs of instruction. Have I lost you? You tired? Have you turned me off? Are you, is it okay? 15 minutes or so? Okay, here we go. Wisdom's house has reproofs of instruction. Reproofs of instruction. Now read the verse at the bottom of that screen. Very important verse in the book of Proverbs 6.23. Read it. It says, reproofs of instruction are the way of life. In other words, if you want to go in the way of life, what, what do you have to... You're going to have to listen to some reproofs of instruction. Reproofs is rebuke sometimes. It's correction. It's chastening. That's the idea of reproof. Reproofs of instruction are the corrective forces that God puts into our life to keep us in the way of life. God wants us to go in the way of life, and so you can't live the right life if you get off of God's way of life. God has designed us to experience and hear reproofs in life. All of us are mess-ups. <laughs> like reproof of instruction. When you, I remember when I was in third grade and you're learning how to write script. And remember when, they, when you learned script, you had the lines at the top and then the dotted line in the middle? Remember that? And you had to make the letter in a certain way in relationship to that dotted line in the middle. And if you did it wrong, what would your teacher do? Correct you. Or if you're in a math class and your teacher asks, how, how much is 2 plus 2? And you said, oh, I know, I know, it's 10. Is she going to say, oh, good boy, good job, you're right. What kind of teacher would do that? No, she'd have to correct you. No, you can't go through life thinking 2 plus 2 is 10. It's 4 and it's only 4 and always 4. You see, there's correction in life. All of us need correction. Now, here's the means of reproof. Here are the strong, loving, corrective forces in our lives. And I could look up Bible verses. I don't have time, but we're not going to look up Bible verses for each one. But we looked at Proverbs 1.23. He says, you will receive the Spirit. Doesn't the Holy Spirit convict us? He corrects us. Parents, don't they correct us? The church. The church is a place of reproof and correction. Did you know that? My job is to pre It says, Paul, God told... Uh, us through Paul preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. Then what did he say? Reprove, rebuke, exhort. Two negatives and one positive. So the reproofs of instruction come from the Holy Spirit, come through parents, come through church, come through teachers, come through our circumstances. There's a verse. You could turn to it if you can, but I'm going to read it. Jeremiah 2.19. You know circumstances will rebuke you? You get into a situation and you, you gamble and you lose your money. Man, I was a fool. Stop it. Or you're, you're doing something crazy out there on the road and you get into an accident. I was a fool. Stop it. See, rep circumstances reprove you. Jeremiah 2.19 says, Thine own wickedness shall correct thee. Circumstances. Scripture. Our employers. Huh. When, I, when I, I was saved and I was still listening to rock music, God wanted me to give it up. But I was listening to rock music. I had this job and I would put the, I would put the music on on my job. And my, my boss was a, a godless, blasphemous man. He cursed the name of Jesus Christ every three words. He used the name of Jesus Christ in a curse word. But you know what? He hated my rock music. And he would come out and say, Turn that, rock, turn that music off. It's so loud. You know what? God used that blasphemous man to correct me. Employers, government has laws we should obey. Friends. So these are some of the 
strong, loving, corrective forces God puts into our lives. But what are the benefits? You say, oh, oh, I heard what you just said, Pastor. You just said that church is a place where there's reproof. I don't want to go to church. That's why don't people don't. That's why a lot of people don't want to go to church. Like I don't want that guy telling me what to do. Now listen, I'm a sinner just like you. You, I have faults just like you have. But the Bible is the Word of God, and I preach the Bible, and I seek to live faithfully to the Bible. But I'm not perfect. You can find faults in me. However, we need to be in a place like this. This is the house of wisdom, where we do find loving reproof. I love you, and I only want the very best for each of you in your family in your personal life and for all eternity that's my I have no other motive I don't want your money Uh, I'm glad you're here but I'm not glad you're here to get your money I don't care about your money God God will take care of that God has always met our needs with that I, I just want you to have God's very best in your life but there are great benefits to the reproofs of instruction. And what are they? Well, they're right here. You will avoid what? And We won't look up all the verses, but I'm going to look up a couple with you. You will avoid what? Say them with me. Error, poverty, shame, evil. Now, a lot of, a lot of times I see people take pictures of the slides. That's actually a good one to take a picture of, I think. And if you... A benefit of the way of life. So you'll avoid those things. How many of you want to walk in error? You want to be duped? How many of you want to be poor? How many of you want to experience evil and shame? No. We want to avoid those things. That's why we need the reproofs of instruction, which are the way of life. And if you... And these are the blessings you will receive. You will receive what? Wisdom. Understanding. The Holy Spirit. So look with me on chapter 13, verse 18. And this is one of the sentence proverbs about poverty. Look what it says in, since I mentioned poverty earlier, look what it says in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 18. It says, read it with me when you find it. Proverbs 13, verse 18, God's Word says, Poverty and shame shall be to him that refuseth instruction, but he that regardeth reproof shall be honored. So, if you listen to the instruction... The ways of reproof. You'll avoid poverty and shame and you'll get honor. That's a good, that's what I'm at, that's what I'm encouraging you to do. Now go to this verse. Go to, not in Proverbs, but just, I just read this. I said, I gotta read this to the church. Go to Isaiah chapter 8. Isaiah chapter 8, please. And it's verse number 11. I know I'm, and I hope I'm not losing you turning around to so many scriptures. I said, oh my, if I start turning to so many scriptures, I'm going to lose you. And, and I, I know that's the, that's the possibility here. But can you stick with me? Can you go to Isaiah? I'm, I'm taking my time here. Isaiah chapter 8. Look at verse 11. It says, For the Lord spake thus to me with a strong hand and instructed me. That word instructed is reproved me. He rebuked me. With a strong hand. You know why we read the Bible? You know why we preach the Bible? Because we need the, the, the loving reproof of the Holy Spirit. The conviction of the Holy Spirit in our hearts, don't we? That's how we change. That's how we become like Jesus. We want to be like Jesus Christ. I love that. The Lord spake to me. with a str- That's what I want for each of you. I want you to be able to open up the Bible, read the Bible, and let God speak to your heart with a strong, loving hand. And then he says, and instructed me that I should not walk in the way of this people. That's what the Lord told him. Don't go in the way of this world system that we're living in. And he says, say not ye a confederacy to all them unto whom this people shall say, a confederacy. You say, what is he talking about? He's talking about the liberal New World Order. (laughs) If you've been listening to our president, that's what he said the other day. I'm not going that way. I'm not going in the way of the New World Order. The liberal... Do you hear that? They're actually talking about this globalist. This is the way of Babylon. This is the way of Nimrod. I preached on this a few weeks ago. But this is the idea of a confederacy. Let's all just be together. Let's be one. Let's approve everybody. Let's say everybody's beautiful. Everybody's going to heaven. No, everybody's not going to heaven. 
Everybody's beautiful, yeah, as image bearers of God, but people need to be saved. And don't fear their fear. Don't be afraid of them, he says. Neither fear... Neither fear ye their fear, nor be afraid. So when you don't walk in the way of the people of the land, don't be afraid. Because it's a little fearful to get out on your own, right? And not to walk in the way of everybody else. Sanctify the Lord of hosts Himself. Let Him be your fear. Fear God. That's the message of Proverbs. Fear the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom. And let Him be your dread. We need to fear God, beloved. Okay, go back, please, to Proverbs I'm not quite done. I'm going to try to finish this. But I have something very important to say. This is very important. We're talking about wisdom's house has reproofs of instruction. I looked, at, I looked with you at the, the actual forces of the reproofs. The Holy Spirit, parents, church, teachers, circumstances, Scripture, and the employer, government, and friends. And then I looked at the benefits, things you'll avoid, things you'll receive, as you listen to those reproofs. But notice what it, now what it says. Go to Proverbs chapter 9. And as you go to wisdom's house, you're going to hear reproof. And it says in verse, chapter 9, look at verse 7 and 8, please. He says, He that reproveth a scorner getteth to himself shame. And he that rebuketh a wicked man getteth himself a blot. A wise man. And He will love thee. Isn't that something? Wise people love to hear loving rebukes that are good for them. Scorners will hate you if you try to correct them. That's what it says. So, here's the point. Wisdom's house has reproofs of instruction and receiving or rejecting that instruction, follow now, what it says is a litmus test of what kind of person you are. It's a litmus test. It's a te- you know what a litmus test is, right? It's when you put that little paper in the pool water and it has to have a certain amount of chlorine in it and it comes out on the, the paper, the litmus test. So, a litmus test of your wisdom and mine is how do you respond to loving correction? Do you receive it or do you reject it? And notice what it says again in that verse. It says, Reprove not a scorner lest he hate thee. Scorners hate instruction. Wise men will love that instruction. So what is your response to loving correction or reproof? You see, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for what? What is the Scripture profitable for? The very first thing. is profitable for... Reproof. (laughs) So, if we don't want to hear reproof, we're definitely going to, I don't want the Bible. But if we love God and want to grow in wisdom, we'll love the Bible because we need that reproof. Correction. Instruction and righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So this section compares the wise man and the scoffer and gives us a crucial clue to one's truest character and deepest commitments. A critical way to know whether one has embraced foolishness or wisdom is to examine how they respond to the correction of other people. It's not easy to respond to correction. The truly wise appreciate it because they know it will help them grow in wisdom and the fear of the Lord. Those, however, who are foolish, look how they react towards correction. What does it say? What are the two things they do to the one who who seeks to correct them? What do they give them? What does the, what does the scorner give the person that tries to correct them? What does it say in verse 7? What are the two things? Tell, talk to me now. Shame and a blot. In other words, let me put it to you this way. They're ruthless. They hate you. And they want to pay you back. And they want to shame you. you. You think, I need correction? They're going to dig under every rock to find something wrong in your life. And then they're going to throw it right back at your face. For your criticism, they will stab you in the back. They're not going to say, thank you for caring about me, that I'm more like Jesus. No, they're going to actually react with insult. They will act with abuse. They will act, they, they may slander you. you the, the, the scorner may slander you. The ruthless person, the one who rebukes the wicked, will get hurt by them. 
The word blot is actually an interesting word. It's used where he says in verse, uh, the last word of verse 7, you see that? He says, he, he that rebuketh a wicked man getteth himself a blot. That word blot is used to refer to animals that were unfit for sacrifice. They had a blemish of some kind. So the person that you try to correct, they'll look for the blemishes in your life and say, you're a, you're a hypocritical servant anyway. So when the mocker has their hatred aroused, they will verbally attack the one who tries to correct them. They will publicly humiliate them. They will not humble themselves under any authority. Whoever touches dirt will get dirty. But those who choose wisdom appreciate, right? They're teachable. They want to gain knowledge and grow in knowledge. So I'm going to make this application, then I'm going to close. Do we love our neighborhood? Do we love our neighborhood? Do we want to see people come to Jesus in this neighborhood? I believe we do. That's why. If we don't want to see people in this neighborhood come to Jesus, then we shouldn't be here. We love our neighborhood. Next week, we're going to have a vacation Bible time. This Saturday at 1 p.m., we're going to be going out into the Fulton housing. You can join us as we seek to share the gospel. But if people in this neighborhood are going to come in here, they have to know two things at least. More than that, but they have to know that we love them. They have to know we love them. That we care for them. We'll love them where they're at. We're not going to approve of anyone's sin, but we love them. And we, we want to see them become like Jesus. But, not only must we love them, but if people are going to come in off the street and come into our church, they need to sense that you love the Lord, that I love the Lord, and that I love you, and that you love me, and that we love each other. Because if there's not love in our hearts for God and for one another in this place, when unsafe people come in here, they're going to sense it. They're going to sense it. So I don't know, I'm not talking to anyone. I'm talking to everyone. And I am saying, however, that as we want to reach our city for Christ, there must be love in our church family. Now, the problem in church, the problem is we're getting older. You know, older people get cranky. <laughs> older churches can get cranky too. Because we get to know each other. Oh, I know that sister over there. I remember what she said to me five years ago. Well, you need to make it right then. And you need to forgive her if you're holding on to that. You need to love that sister who hurt you five years ago. But you don't know what she did. Nothing worse than what you did to put Jesus Christ on the cross. We need to love each other. What happens in a church is we do say things. Hey, listen, are you mad at me? If anyone is mad at me here, I honestly don't know it. I'm not mad at anybody. I'm honest in my heart. I'm not mad at anyone here. I love you as your pastor. But maybe, some, maybe I said something stupid to you. Do you think that's possible? Absolutely. I didn't hear, Amen? Okay. <laughs> Anna just punched Edgar for that. No, hey, I could, I've said things that hurt people. And I didn't know it. If I've said anything to hurt anyone here, please let me know. And I want to respond with humility and say, please forgive me. And if you've said something to someone here that hurt them, and you know that hurt them, you should be the first. It says, first, be reconciled with your brother. We take the Lord's Supper. We're not taking the Lord's Supper today because we're having the business meeting stuff. But we need, to live, we need to be reconciled with one another. If we're gonna, does it, we want the world to be reconciled to God. 
Are you reconciled with your brother and sister sitting right next to you that you break the Lord's Supper with? You see what I'm saying? If a man say, I love God, now we're going to, another reason why I'm saying this, you know why I'm saying this, Pastor Carmine? We're going to start memorizing 1 John chapter 4 is the love chapter. We're going to get hit by love from verse 7 to the end of the chapter. It's John's love chapter. 1 John chapter, it's powerful. And the last verse says, if a man say, I love God and hates his brother, guess what, what he is? He's a liar. If we can't love one another, we're, we, we really can't love God right. We've got to love each other. If we want to reach our world, we have, the love has to start in our hearts for the Lord, and then it, it flows out to one another. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? So let me just ask you, and then I'll be closed. But are you envious against other people? Are you jealous in your heart toward other brothers and sisters in the church family? Are you angry? Are you bitter? Are you holding on to hurt? Would you please make it right? For the sake of the gospel? For the sake of the love of Jesus Christ for your soul? For the sake of the testimony of this church in this very needy neighborhood? This neighborhood needs a church like this. This, this neighborhood doesn't know, know it, but the, one of the greatest gifts that God has given to Greenwich Village in New York City is Heritage Baptist Church. I believe that with all my heart. That such a church like us is here is a, a miracle of grace. That this many people are here, it's a miracle. I love you, church. And I know you're here because you do love the Lord, but we've got to really pray about this. And let's ask God to use us as we come to the house of wisdom and hear these loving reproofs of instruction. Let's stand together as we pray.